Welcome to the Trust Your Gut Podcast. I'm your host, Demi Fair. Here we dive into the world of the mind-body connection, exploring the gut-brain axis, microbiome, and nervous system while harnessing the power of intuition and connection to spirit. If you struggle with chronic digestive and mental stress and are tired of trying just one more diet or supplement to address your symptoms, then this is the place for you. Join me as we learn from the world of science and medicine, but also from nature, our own inner knowing, and personal stories. Thank you for tuning in, and now it's time to trust your gut. Hello, welcome back to the Trust Your Gut podcast. So right now I have just finished packing up um, a lot of luggage to fly to Las Vegas with where I'm going to uh, connect with my friends and get to borrow their van for three weeks. So I'm going to head over to Arizona and hang out in Sedona with my partner and do some mountain biking. So I have packed up my mountain bike, which is, uh, man, it is not fun or super easy to pack up a mountain bike. And it's in two big separate bags. And then I have my other duffel full of things. And then, of course, I was like, oh, man, you know, it's like I'm I'm in ski mode right now because I went skiing twice this week. And um, I know I'm going to be near places that I could go ski Uh that are really enticing, but I didn't want to bring my ski stuff, like all my skis, on top of two bags that are like giant bags that are holding all my bike stuff with also all the clothing I need for three weeks in like hot and cold weather and different shoes. And so um, I have (laughs) four bags (laughs) with me. my bike box, my tire bag, which I shoved a bunch of stuff in. Of course, I'm bringing like books and things I need for work. Um, I decided to bring my ski boots, helmet, goggles, gloves, and ski clothes just in case I'm like, want to go demo some skis maybe. I don't know. It's overkill. Somehow I just end up bringing too much stuff all the time. I'm like, it's three weeks. Like, do you really need all of this? But I get two free checked bags with my ticket, and so I'm like, well, why not? So by the time this comes out, I'm probably about two weeks into my time down in the desert, traveling around in the van, and I'm going to be watching my friend's dog as well. So it will be a fun little time, and yeah feeling tired. I also moved out of my uh, little studio uh, on Monday. So it has been like, wow, I just moved a bunch of stuff and now I'm just like packing up stuff and about to head out on a trip. Uh, But when I return, I have a lovely place to move into and it's going to be ski season And I'm excited to come back and ground in because I've been really enjoying grounding down. Um, If you've listened to 
I guess it's really just in the first episode I talked about how I spent a lot of my 20s traveling around and I mean beautiful beautiful experience I am so grateful um, that I was able to make that happen for five or six years but it was exhausting on the body and it was part of my nervous system response to be more in the flight mode and always going and doing of course there was such a genuine authentic love of traveling um but being back in one place for what's been probably about three and a half years now or so maybe a little less it's felt good to kind of ground down and connect into community and so I'm actually feeling really settled in that that on the you know, moment of about to leave for this trip, I'm like, wow, I, I guess in the past, I always felt this, like, I, I need to go, I need to go explore and get out, and I found a lot of exploration, you know, nearby home, of course, in the outdoors, but it's, it's kind of interesting to notice that I don't actually feel like I'm, I'm like, happy to be heading to the desert and it's always good to change up your environment and change up your perspective um but if the opportunity wouldn't have aligned so easily I don't know if I would have like really pushed to seek it out maybe like I did in the past so um that's something cool to notice but anyways that's where I'm gonna be um for the next little bit and we'll see how podcasting goes in the van. What I want to talk about today, let me kind of circle in and focus, is about irritable bowel syndrome. And I think this is going to be a bit of a shorter episode, but sometimes I say that and it becomes a little bit longer. Um, There's a lot we could talk about with IBS, um, but there's something specific I want to talk about, and that is the link between IBS and nervous system dysregulation and the link between IBS and childhood trauma. And I think for now in this episode, I just want to highlight that link and then uh, potentially there'll be an opportunity to go deeper into some of that information and research uh, just because honestly, I'm a little limited right now because I'm about to go catch a flight. So I wanted to just bring this up because I realized I haven't talked about this on the podcast yet, but it's something I've talked about um, in reels and in some of my emails. And I just uh, released the sales page for the Gut Brain Healing Toolkit, my group program that is going to open soon, likely in January. And um, I was reflecting on this piece there too in in writing the copy for the sales page. So I wanted to just draw some attention to IBS and what IBS is and what we're finding to be a really important factor in the creation of IBS. So IBS is something that can be extremely frustrating for people because it's really just kind of a catch-all phrase for when you go to a doctor and they can't really pinpoint anything specific that's wrong. Maybe you run some tests and just nothing comes up that shows 
a specific dysfunction in your GI tract or anything. And so when we get a diagnosis of IBS, it can be pretty frustrating because it's like, well, okay, what, what does that mean? Like, what do I do? And um, I'd say probably the most common treatments these days, when, when I was younger, um, particularly in high school, when my uh, digestive symptoms really felt the most impactful and intense, and I would go to the doctor, I was diagnosed with IBS. And I was a little more constipated. I was not a little bit more. I was constipation dominant. So that was an IBSC. I really had bad, bad, bad constipation. And so for me, the recommendation was here, you can take this Metamucil, take some laxatives, you can take some psyllium husk, eat more fiber. And um, as I've talked about my story before, that just didn't help me. It, It did not help me feel better at all. And the thing that ended up helping me feel better was I went to a colon hydrotherapist That is someone who puts a tube up your rectum and flushes out your colon with water. And it was like the first time I felt relief from my constipation and severe bloating. But it wasn't that so much. It was she was the first person to tell me about elimination diet. So I cut out gluten, dairy, and soy. And to recommend that I take aloe vera gel to soothe my gut lining and... I believe magnesium and one other thing, which unfortunately I don't remember. And that helped me. I finally started to have relief. And then I think I started changing some things about my diet. I was a vegetarian um, at that time. I had been for maybe three years. And so I was just not eating a healthy diet um, within that. I didn't grow up really eating a healthy diet. So I think I started to, because of the elimination diet, I had to start learning how to eat better, which started my whole journey down the path that I've come to now through nutritional therapy. So these days, I think doctors typically start to recommend like the low FODMAP diet, which I guess in some ways is better than like, here, take this laxative or whatever, um, this fiber supplement, because it's going, you know, there's some focus on diet and nutrition. But again, low FODMAP, um, as I talk about in the episode where I'm debunking common gut health recommendations, it's it's still just dealing with the symptoms. It's still kind of like a Band-Aid treatment. Um, there's definitely a, a time and a place for it, and it can be extremely helpful, but it's still not getting to the root of what's going on. So that's what I want to talk about today is like, what is the root of IBS? IBS is a dysfunction of the gut brain axis, not just of the gut, but of the actual gut brain communication. So something has happened that's disturbed the way that the gut and the brain are communicating, often leading to a hypersensitivity of the gut and often a level of hypersensitivity or hypervigilance of the brain. So if we look at that, like what has caused this gut-brain communication 
to become so sensitive. Because what's happening a lot in IBS is people with IBS, they're going to be experiencing a lot of those gut sensations and things happening in their enteric nervous system, in that gut brain, and in the cells that are lining the gut wall, they're going to be feeling a lot of those things more than people with IBS don't. People with IBS would just not notice a lot of those things going on. But in the person with IBS, there is a hypersensitivity in the gut that reacts to this stimuli. And then that sends a message to the brain, which is then going to react to And then the brain sends a message back to the gut. And now we're creating this feedback loop. And sometimes that can get us stuck in a negative feedback loop. So majority of people who have IBS report to also have anxiety or depression, which makes a lot of sense when you think about how the gut and the brain are constantly influencing each other. Something is feeling off in the gut. There's a hypersensitivity. It's communicating up to the brain. This is causing anxiety or maybe depression about our situation. And then in turn, that's communicating back to the gut, impacting the gut function. Or we might be in a more anxious state or a more depressed state. And that is communicating down to the gut and impacting it in our day. So, okay, cool, we got that, but what has caused this to happen, right? What has caused that gut brain to be in miscommunication? Well, this is where we can link into the nervous system and some level of dysregulation in the nervous system. And commonly, what's going to be happening here is that the nervous system is going into a state of fight or flight and maybe there's an overactivation in that sympathetic fight or flight state. So somebody maybe is under chronic stress or they're, they've had trauma that has um, programmed their nervous system to go into this threat response of being in fight or flight. So this is where they're feeling really anxious, um, hypervigilant, a lot of stress, a lot of overwhelm, really on edge, tense, having a hard time relaxing, feeling like they always need to do or be in control, go, 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 many of those things that are associated with being overactivated in the fight or flight state. And so being in that state and the anxiety or hypervigilance that comes from that, that we'll start to experience mentally is of course going to be communicating to our gut. And what happens when we're in that fight or flight state? Well, digestion gets shut down, right? It's not a state where we're going to have good digestive function. And in this state, we also see a lot more constipation. So people with IBS-C dominant might be more overactivated in their sympathetic fight or flight state. So if you have constipation, that feels really chronic. And maybe you have like bloating and gas, um, maybe even like some burping, That can be really common too because in that sympathetic state, our gastric juices are being shut down. So stomach acid, which helps break down our food, or enzymes or bile, which help break down our food. Um, Or 
motility is also being stopped and that's what's leading to the constipation. So if those are your symptoms and you also experience a lot of overwhelm, controlling, like needing to be in control, obsessive thinking, anxiety, stress, and you have IBS-C, there's a pretty good indication there that something is being dysregulated in the nervous system and addressing that overactivation of your sympathetic nervous system is going to be essential. So the other thing that can happen is maybe somebody's nervous system is a bit more primed to be overactivated in the dorsal vagal shutdown. And so this is where we are going to feel more depressed, hopeless, disassociated. Might We might experience more brain fog and chronic fatigue and feel maybe disconnected from our body, lack motivation. And this state is where we're likely to see more diarrhea. So if you're more IBSD, diarrhea dominant, and you maybe experience a little bit more like nausea, maybe even the need to vomit. Um, And a lot of the other common digestive issues, you'll probably also see bloating, gas, maybe undigested food in the stool. And you're also experiencing like depression, apathy, disassociation, brain fog, chronic fatigue, like just lacking motivation. Then this is a good indication that working with nervous system dysregulation specifically to get out of that dorsal vagal shutdown state is going to be really essential for healing your IBS. And then of course, there's the people who cycle between constipation and diarrhea and IBS. And so yes, you can guess what's happening here. They are probably cycling between sympathetic fight or flight and dorsal vagal shutdown and not coming back into the safety state of their ventral vagal system And therefore, there might be um, something that is associated with, oh yeah, when I'm feeling more of that anxiety, I'm experiencing more constipation. When I'm feeling more of that depression, I'm experiencing diarrhea. And of course, it's not black and white, and it's so different for everybody's body. But in general, these are the states that are going to um, associate with these certain bowel issues. So that's just something to be able to notice how closely linked the nervous system is with these different IBS types and ways that you might be able to um, understand what's causing your IBS or where you really need to work within the nervous system. And it, it really is in the nervous system. So you can't look at the health of your gut-brain connection and not consider the health of your nervous system. You just can't because they're absolutely intertwined. And I'm going to explain this right now. Maybe you've heard this before, but it's always helpful to have it reiterated. So our gut-brain connection, one of the main things it's made up of is that our gut has its own nervous system called the enteric nervous system. This is the second largest bundle of nerve fibers behind our brain. That's why it's called the second brain. Well, then our brain is the main component of the central nervous system. And so these two are constantly in communication. And they do so through the vagus nerve. Now, we look at our autonomic nervous system as the nervous system that really controls how we respond to stress 
and how we truly experience our life. This is really the nervous system that controls our reaction to our internal and external stimuli. It's constantly asking, am I safe? Am I safe? Am I safe? So it's really controlling how our social interactions are, our connection to ourself, how we move through the world. Now, we have three main divisions of the autonomic nervous system. The sympathetic, fight or flight, which we've been talking about. Then there's the parasympathetic, the rest and digest. We can break that down further into two states, the dorsal vagal and the ventral vagal. But for now, let's just look at sympathetic, parasympathetic, and then the third division of the autonomic nervous system is actually our enteric nervous system. Our gut's own nervous system is a division of the autonomic nervous system, the nervous system that controls how we experience our life and respond to stress. That is huge. So the way our autonomic nervous system is functioning and responding to the world is going to be impacting our enteric nervous system. Now the other piece here is that the vagus nerve, the main communicator between the gut and the brain, which is communicating things 24-7, you cannot change that, the vagus nerve is the main component of the parasympathetic nervous system. So it's what helps control us getting into that rest and digest state where, yes, we're going to have optimal digestive function, but it's also what helps us recover from stress and have the most stable mental states, moods, and emotions. So if there's dysfunction going on in that communication between the gut and the brain, if our vagal tone is weak, then you bet we're going to start to see gut issues and we're going to see issues with our nervous system regulation. So it's all absolutely intertwined and this is the basis of the work that I do because we can do all the great things, good food and diets. We can be getting movement and meditating and taking supplement protocols and whatnot, but if our system is still... um overactivated in dysregulation in the nervous system because it's responding to a past trauma or ongoing traumatic or chronic stress. Um, And there's a lot of other factors that program these things in our childhood, which I'm about to touch on. If our system still thinks it's under threat or stress, even though we're doing all these good things, we may not totally feel better. And that's exactly what was happening to me. So I had IBS-C dominant, and I just happened to be someone who lived in sympathetic fight-or-flight overactivation for a lot of my life. Some of that showed up as obsessive-compulsive thinking, anxiety, the need to always be in control. It was ways I found to keep myself safe. Some of this was likely passed down to me from my mother, my father, my family. I think I was born with a certain vagal tone and certain... Um, programming already of my system and then of course we co-regulate with our caregivers and our environment and then that creates how our nervous system learns to respond to the world our microbiome is formed within the first three years of our life that's going to be responding to what the first three years of our life is like and how safe our environment is and then of course our gut brain connection is getting programmed in that time too which is going to take on a lot of that same kind of response to what is happening between our caregivers and our attunement there and our environment and whatever is passed down with us. 
So this is all important to understand because there are a lot of studies out there showing that yes, stress has been linked to IBS. So looking at our stress in our day-to-day life and chronic stress too is really important. But 50% of patients, and in some studies, it even looks like maybe up to 74% of patients report childhood trauma or adverse early life experiences. And there's definitely a lot of studies around abuse specifically and, and sexual abuse, but there's a lot more types of trauma and psychological trauma and emotional trauma that give these same results. And this is a huge statistic. This is a huge factor in the development of IBS. And this is exactly why this is the area I work in with clients. Because a lot of people come to me and they're already pretty dialed in a lot of healthy lifestyle and nutrition, but they haven't really been supported in this piece. And maybe they even understand how this is kind of connected or they understand that, yeah, I had some stuff in my childhood, but it's not always the easiest to like make that link and then know what to do with it. So, of course, that is something I'm happy to support you with um, and will do so in the Gut Brain Healing Toolkit. But in general, any work that you can do around regulating your nervous system, understanding what states your nervous system tends to be in or maybe get overactivated in, what triggers that, how to, what works for you to regulate, and then really looking at any chronic or traumatic stress you may have endured and working with someone to help process that in a really safe and healthy way. Now, sometimes people are like, oh, well, I'm, I'm not stressed or I haven't had any trauma. And I just want to highlight a couple things there. Chronic stress um, is one that can often actually go unnoticed because we become so adapted to it, right? Like, I have that happen to me all the time where I'm like, well, I don't feel stressed out. I know when I'm feeling stressed out, like I've just gotten way too overwhelmed. But chronic stress is really just that low level. It can be a high level too, but it might be more of like a low level consistent stressor. And that can come in so many different forms. Sometimes that was just the what we had modeled to us from our caregivers that we like attuned to and took on that state at a young age or maybe our environment didn't feel safe and we had to be hypervigilant which caused a low level of chronic stress it could be relational strain it could be taking care of children it could be a really busy demanding job a commute all the endless emails or endless to-do list it could be lack of sleep or not eating enough or overeating or not exercising enough or over exercising it could be inflammation going on in the body or any kind of imbalance that's sending a stress signal to the body it could be the way we think how we think about ourselves do we have obsessive thinking, how much time are we spending on screens, how much time on social media, etc. There's tons of things in our modern world that can cause us to have a constant low level of stress. And typically, many people do because our modern Western society is chronically stressed. 
So there's a lot there. And trauma, I mean, trauma really happens to everybody in some form. And trauma isn't so much about the event. We might think, well, I didn't go through this big traumatic event. But trauma isn't really about the event so much, but how our body responded to that event, how our nervous system responded to it. And so a lot of the trauma we actually see is attachment trauma. So what our relationship was like with our caregivers. Maybe they weren't emotionally available. Maybe they denied our emotions by saying, stop crying or you'll get over it. Um, Maybe they had an addiction, they weren't really present, Uh, they didn't know how to regulate their own nervous system, so they would kind of fly off the handle or break down, or we had to like be their caretaker um, and care for their emotions. Uh, Maybe our parents fought a lot, and so the environment didn't feel safe. Uh, It could be a parent too who was too controlling and in our business. There's so much there. It could also be um, something that happened with um, other children in the school um, to the extreme of being bullied or like not being invited to uh, the friend's sleepover. Uh, A lot of the time, trauma is just something that happened too fast, too soon, for too long, or it had to do with someone who wasn't there who should have been. So there's a lot of things that we may not realize our body programmed as a traumatic event that it might still be responding to. So that all being said, I think it is a fascinating statistic looking at 50 to 74% of people with IBS report adverse early life experiences. And IBS is the most common gastrointestinal dysfunction in the US. So (laughs) this is a pretty huge thing to seeing um, that the most common GI dysfunction in the US is also so closely linked to nervous system dysregulation and adverse early life experiences. So again, it's coming back to supporting that part of our body, our nervous system. And this is something that I'm going to be digging into more and truly all the content I create talks about this. I talk about a little bit more broad-based digestive symptoms than more specifically IBS. But of course, a lot of the symptoms I talk about are the same symptoms as IBS as they are for a lot of other digestive dysfunctions. And this is where I believe it all connects back to our nervous system. So um, if you have any questions that come up from this episode, like you're like, wow, can, can I hear more about that specifically? Um, please reach out to me and let me know. I'm always open to things people want to hear about in the podcast or even created into a short reel or something. Um, and this is such a fascinating area that definitely um, there's a lot more to uncover here and dig into. I did create a podcast episode about the link between highly sensitive people and IBS, which just kind of rounds out this information in this podcast and talks a bit more about that hypersensitivity going on in the gut brain. So 
I encourage you to take a listen to that too if you're interested. So in summary, if you have IBS, it is likely not enough to just treat the gut part of your symptoms through diet or supplement protocols or fiber or whatever it may be, but it's going to be important to look at that gut brain connection and what's going on there. So that's going to look at supporting the vagus nerve and the vagal tone and looking at supporting the health of our nervous system. So really understanding if we're in nervous system dysregulation and why and helping to bring more regulation to the nervous system and process any chronic or traumatic stress that may be keeping us in dysregulation. I am also going to announce that I have just released the sales page for the Gut Brain Healing Toolkit. So it has all the information on it in regards to what is included, what we'll be doing. So if you've been hearing me talk about it and you're interested, uh, the link is down below in the show notes. Everything I talked about on the podcast today is the basis of what we do in Gut Brain Healing Toolkit, and I'm so excited to be releasing this out into the world and supporting people in this way because this is often not how uh, things are approached when we go seek help for our IBS or any other gut issues. So go take a look at that, and otherwise, thank you so much for being here today. If you're curious about this nervous system piece and how it might be impacting your gut symptoms, I also have a quiz down in the show notes that you can take and it will tell you what your likely dominant nervous system state is. So if you're maybe dysregulated in a certain state and exactly how that's impacting your digestive issues, but also your mental, emotional, and physical health. And then I leave you with a video and action steps that you can use to start regulating your nervous system today and start feeling better. So go take a look at that if you are interested in understanding more about your specific nervous system. So thank you so much for tuning in. I hope you have a resilient and regulated day. Before you go, I just wanted to say thank you so much for tuning in. If you enjoy this show, please subscribe, leave a rating or review, and share it. That helps it reach others who will benefit from this information. So much gratitude for you. Have a beautiful day.